Welcome to another episode of the Sawdust and Fire podcast. We are your hosts. I am Hunter Johnson. And I'm Thomas Baldridge. Well, Hunter, we've uh, we've been busy. Both of us have, going in a lot of different directions, battling the heat and the dry weather and a lot of stuff going on. Did did finally catch a couple of rain showers, but I don't think it did a whole lot to help. But uh, at least it ain't 180 degrees. We've we've got it down to a manageable probably 100. Man, it's been hectic. Yeah, going every different direction, trying to get uh, – oh, it's that time of year, man. It's just everything that you've put off and neglected all year, and now it's come down to the wire, and you got to get it done. We've got – dove season opening in a week and teal season opening in a couple of weeks and both season opening a week or two after that. And man, it's just, uh, I've, I've got so much crap equipment machinery that's bro- broken and broken down. It's got to be fixed and stuff that's nasty and got to be washed and cleaned up and tree stands to move. And man, it's just, uh, yeah. It's that time of year, and it seems like I've been bombarded with meetings uh, for different things. You know, everybody trying to get you ready for whatever, uh, DMAP meetings and prescribed burn meetings, and uh, it's something else. Yeah, I think we need to have these meetings you and I have been to here recently, you know, maybe in June, July. You know, when, when some of this other stuff ain't rocking along, even in May. Well, I think people have learned, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you got plenty of time, you got plenty of time, you got plenty of time. And then they realize, you know, don't ask me to do anything from October 1st to February 1st. I'm probably out. Uh, if it doesn't involve ducks or deer, I'm I'm out. That is that is when it's go time. So I think they say, ooh, it's getting close to this time. We better pack all this crap in this last month that we can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. And then when you throw some equipment issues on top of that or some other projects, like I've had a couple things going on here, adding on to my shop slash pole barn, uh, you know, I, I'm adding them trusses that you and I built uh, 18 months ago and, uh, you know, been waiting for material prices to come down from the COVID nonsense, bought that steel, it was hiring the cats back. And, and now, uh, you know, I'm getting around to put them, them things been laying in the floor of my shop and just now getting around to putting them up and, and I just decided to bite the bullet and, get it done you know uh, you can't wait for covid prices to come down because they ain't matter of fact it looks like we fixing to have us another full-blown round i just hope they don't lock things down and shut things down again over this crap yeah my wife said today there's been a lot of covid cases locally here and uh i thought she's talking about another round of price increases because that's all i see and care about really uh I want my family to stay healthy, but man, it's uh goodness gracious. Um, uh, you know, the feds going to meet again, probably raise interest rates, job reports down stock markets all over the place. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, it's aggravating and I'm about fed up with these places that don't carry parts. I broke a simple part on the Bobcat. And I go online, I look it up. Yep, they've got a kit to fix it. And got the part number, got the description. It's $38.45. No big deal. And it's a pretty common part to break. I mean, every single skid steer out there has this part on it. It's the little locking pin that locks the attachment on. And I called up my Bobcat dealer, gave him the part number. Said, can you check and see if you got it? Nope, we don't carry that in stock. All right, what's your price on it? Just like the internet says, $38.45. When can you have one? Well, we can order it 
It'll come next day, which really means three to five days, and that's going to cost you $100 shipping. Or we can wait and get it in on the next stock order. It's only going to cost you $20 or $30, and uh, that could be two weeks, maybe three weeks. Yeah. It's uh, just, I, I said, hope. well, I broke one side. Get me two of them, um, and uh, let's get them here because I got to have it. You know, can't wait three weeks. It's, I mean – we're going to be done with everything in three weeks. So, so get me two of them and uh, I'll pay $80 for two of them. And then that makes a hundred dollars shipping. And it just gets coming in a little bitty box that uh, isn't the size of a game camera. So I don't understand the shipping cost, but whatever. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a problem you got on everything. Now um, guys were here helping me work and they had a little, uh, Takahuchi and and it went down had a fuel pump on it at least it was easy to get to that i don't know fuel pump half the size of your cell phone to run that whole machine i couldn't believe it was fuel pump and uh half the size of your cell phone 250 dollar part i think and didn't have one in uh anywhere around didn't have one in little rock be a couple days before they can get it and all this him hauling around and Finally, them guys got to park and we put it back on and got it running again. I had some guys, you know, last podcast, you mentioned something about me selling honey and some of these candies and gift baskets. I had a couple guys send me messages. Um, and my wife is still going to check on shipping prices, but some of them guys, you know, were like, Hey, what, you know, what, how much, well, the, the cost of the gift box and with the honey and candy and soaps and lotions and all this nonsense. That ain't, that ain't that expensive. It's like your part. It's, you know, it's going to be cheap. Mm. Uh, but man, I'm scared to death to see what shipping's going to cost to, you know, cause it's all just went through the roof now. Well, that was, uh, you know, we had this brood habitat contest and I mentioned something briefly. I don't even know if I've told you about this, uh, in detail, but one of the guys that gave away a ATV sprayer. You know, he had paid $350 for the sprayer and it was going to cost $300 to ship it to the uh, customer. So he took the sprayer back and got him a gift card for $350 and shipped him the gift card in an envelope because can't afford to ship the sprayer. Yes. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, man. It's the, it just, I don't understand any of it, and uh, I'm mad at all of them, you know. Uh, oh, so, know. And, even, you know, even the dang post office is so aggravating when somebody ships me something that won't fit in my mailbox because they put a note in my mailbox that I got to come to the post office and get it. Yep. My post office is open from 9 a.m. to 12 a.m. That's now, where mine is. And, and that, what that means is – that don't mean you can walk in there at nine o'clock. It means she gets there at nine o'clock. So it's going to be 10 or 15 after nine before you can go in and don't get there at 12 o'clock thinking you're going to get in. And that ain't when she locks the door. She's gone at 12 vehicle ain't there no more at 12. That's the way mine is. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Half a day and not every day, but you know, and it's, uh, 10 miles in the other direction that it normally goes. Well, mine is too. Yep, exactly. Same, same deal. And the funny thing is, if you get on like Amazon or something, or whatever that actually shows you an estimated ship delivery date, if that's accurate, I can put in my address and it'll show, it'll say like their two-day shipping will, will be like seven to 10 days at best. But I can ship it to my mom's house, mom and dad's house, 15 minutes away from me. It'll be there in two days. Yep. Well, I mean, what what in the world? And so a lot of times, you know, I'm in and out of town, especially with kids in school now. So I'll just ship stuff to my folks' house and go by and get it because I can get it to, you know, in two days versus coming out here and be a week. Well, you know, I've gotten a deal before when I needed a part and it was going to have to be ordered, be here in three to five days. And it was actually coming from a spot that I can be at in two hours. So just jump in the truck and go get it and come back. 
and uh, not have to wait three or four days for the dang thing to show up. Yep. 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 Man, it's that time of year. Uh, I've got so many irons in the fire and I'm trying to pull some irons out of the fire and throw some in. I got cattle to sell. I got this shop building to fix. I'm going to pick up metal tomorrow and uh, hopefully get that knocked out by the end of this week. Uh, from all this wind and storm damage we've had for the past, I don't know, two months, seems like, uh, I had so many trees across roads, across the farm. You couldn't even hardly ride around nowhere. So I spent a good part of a day yesterday, just going and cutting up trees where I could move them with the tractor. And, uh, I hadn't bought no food plot seed or nothing like that um wade cows the other day did that yesterday and uh all those weights are looking good of course this last month being as hot and everything as it was which is normal some of their average daily weight gains went down which is to to be expected and uh uh but some of that data looked pretty good um some of it on like some you know some of the heifers weren't weren't gaining as much as as the steers were but again that's normal to be expected well, um, you can't expect them to gain weight in this heat i mean this ain't fat boy weather we've been oh, I, I we still were putting weight on them in this 115 degree heat index emergency status defcon 5 whatever it was we were still putting weight on them hmm so uh yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've had several people send me a text or something. How's the grass look? You know, because they're all interested because we ain't, we ain't had no rain to speak of. And uh, so, man, the grass looks good. It's, you know, it's growing fine. Everything's lovely. Um, and then you and I have had PBA meetings and uh, DMAP meetings. And, man, I, I'm about just one thing after another meetings for this and that and the other. You throw some football season nonsense back in there and some other family activities and church and I, man i'm like a a busy bee well let's talk about that pba okay we tell us, uh, uh tell us explain what we're doing here well um i'm not saying this like in a braggy way because it's not um but i don't want somebody to get the wrong idea but you know, we've, we've helped game and fish in some different areas, uh, you know, just because our PLB is a, a friend of ours and, uh, you know, we like him. He's actually headed out West right now and going to go to Yellowstone and Glacier and Grand Tetons and all that stuff. And he, and apparently he's coming back married. Uh, so, um, congratulations to him, but, uh, we, uh, he, you know, one of the one of the game and fishes pushes right now is to establish more PBAs in the state, and the ones that are formed but maybe not doing a whole lot, try and revitalize them. So, game and fish is pushing a lot of different initiatives right now, trying to change some things, especially on private lands. And so they contacted you and I and said, "Hey, you know, they they've actually been on us." you know, for a little while about, you know, helping starting this PBA and to be, to be, uh, very transparent. Um, I, I've been pretty reluctant. Um, not because I don't, you know, I mean, I believe in it. I see the need for it. I know the need for it. Lord, I can, I can teach the class and, and give a presentation on, you know, what it is and why we need it and all this kind of stuff. But the facts are you and I are busy and between the two of us helping each other, we burn more acres than probably all those PBAs combined every year. Yep. And, uh, I'm not saying that braggy. I'm just, that's just, that's the facts. Um, so anyhow, you know, uh, now our role and what we do, um, you know, is not probably what most people think it is. Um, Cause you know, we, we're able to hire guys like, like Aaron, if you can hire an Aaron, uh, Aaron, man, he'll, uh, 
he'll he he can work with the Hispanic guys. You know, I mean, he's he just loves he he just loves a strenuous workout. And you know, me, I can ride around on ATV and drink water. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, it's important putting together a good team. But you know, between what what you and I do, uh, you know, we've got a lot to to take care of and and to try and get done and to think about adding to that is just, I'm like, realistically speaking, I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to take away from my stuff to, you know, go help somebody else. Now I don't mind helping somebody else, but also don't want to be in a job that's not paying me to go and help somebody else all over who knows wherever, for whatever reason in a three County area. So anyhow, we, we hashed it out. We talked about some of the details and some of the, you know, requirements and you and I basically uh, had a meeting with them, I guess a week ago or so. And, you know, we agreed to help get this thing started and we did narrow it down primarily to white and Cleburne counties in Arkansas. It's going to be called little red prescribed burn association. Now we, we will help some people like Jackson County folks, are close by they don't have one um you know and then we've got some for some friends like i got some guys close to me i really like and uh you know they're man they might be 10 miles from my house but they're across the county line and you know i told them i said man i want y'all to join our pba you know because logistically speaking we are a lot closer somebody like that you know, that's not far away. I, I could probably break free and go help them, you know, right. and not be in a bind, but to travel for me to travel to say Jackson County, I mean, I could be on the road two hours and, right. and I don't know that's feasible, but anyhow, you've got land in Cleburne. I've got land in white. You've got land in white. And, uh, we just, we decided we'd at least try and white County, is the second largest county in the state of Arkansas. So we just decided, hey, we ought to have enough here to deal with. So we're going to get it started. We we uh, have a meeting coming up, I think, October 5th. It's a Thursday, 6 o'clock in Searcy. We're going to try and get the word out to everybody we can. Uh, 200 West Mulberry Avenue in Searcy, right there off BB Caps Expressway. Uh, in the Remax Realty build, building, and um, uh, we're going to just basically uh, put out a a teaser, I guess, and see who's interested and try and recruit as many people as possible. And if there's a bunch of gung-ho people, you know, that, that want to do everything, then we'll, we'll be more than happy to let them. But our goal is to make sure it gets off on the right foot, everybody gets what they need, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then we get, we get all of our bylaws done right. And we get the trailer and equipment and all this stuff and bank accounts opened and so on and so forth. And, uh, then the other thing like today, you and I both got a, a group text from, uh, director booth game of fish talking about some of the burn bill stuff that has went on in legislative session this past go around. They're doing rules build out now. And as everybody is well aware, I've been like a mosquito constantly annoying all them politicians about what I like and don't like about the bill. And, um, you know, Austin has tried to, uh, at least include some of our feedback on that. So he can, you know, he can try and, you know, twist some arms and he, he gave me his word. He was going to do that. So, so far, so far he is, uh, he's keeping his word. Uh, my state representative has been very good. He texted me the other day and the attorney, um, for, I guess, I think for forestry commission, but he, the attorney has, and I don't say good things about attorneys typically, but the attorney has been a really good guy. Seems like a nice guy. And he's been seemingly trying to be, uh, you know, informative along the way as, as much as he can, but the rules, the rules and all that stuff technically probably should have already been done. And it is law to my knowledge at this point, but uh, once those rules are done, it'll go back through the house and Senate, ag committees where they can 
make changes, question, do this, that, the other before the, they actually adopt all the rules. So at this point, you know, things are, are, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, it, we're at least in a good place so far. Um, I, I wish, I wish we would have, you know, done a better job on the front end of this deal, but the politicians as, as politicians do, they, they had things going fast and furious before any of us even knew what was happening. So uh, given the, the hand we were dealt, I think we're, I think we're doing very well given the hand we were dealt. Um, we, you know, the jury's still out and, and they still have a lot to deliver, but, um, so far, you know, I'm at least not extremely worried. Uh, it, it is looking like they are going to actually do the best that they can to hold up what they're trying to, to actually form. I know that sounds kind of odd to phrase things like that, but. Well, so here's, so here's the deal. You know, a lot of states have something like this. So we probably have listeners right now that are saying, what, the, you know, a, a burn bill is a great thing. Well, it is. And, but the way they had ours worded, we want more, we want to see more prescribed fire on the landscape. And they were creating a deal where it was going to require the landowner jump through several hoops to be able to just burn his property um, and, and have that limited liability factor that, the timber companies could enjoy. So we were just making sure Thomas worked hard to make sure that it was written in a way that um, it was, it was friendly to even a small landowner that's got 40 acres that wants to do some burning um, as well as bigger landowners and timber companies and everybody alike. So we could put more fire on the landscape and uh, um, he's done a great job with that. And now it sounds like we've got it written to where that's going to, that's going to work. And, uh, well, it's not done, but it's headed that way. Right. And as long as it keeps heading that direction, that's a good thing because, you know, anybody that's been in kind of any politic deal at all, at the end of the day, I probably had at least a half a dozen things, maybe more that I wanted to tweak in that bill. And some of them were as simple as deleting a word or deleting a sentence. Right. And I mean, they were literally that simple, but it would have really helped. Um, Most of this crap is written by people that don't have a clue. Yeah. About the, the roles people play to, to actually put it in place. Yes. And so to, to think about that and then, when you get in the politic world and they're actually saying, okay, we, we finally not only hear what you're saying, but we will actually pay attention to what you're saying because you've created such a stir that we have to pay attention to you now. Um, and Thomas done such a great job with all that, that we've <laughs> made him president of the prescribed burn association. <laughs> well, what I, yeah, I need another political job, but <laughs> what probably what they, really would refer to me as, as an annoyance or a hindrance, but that was not my intention. I didn't want to be the pesky mosquito. And quite honestly, I didn't want to be involved and didn't want to go down there. But at the end of the day, when you look at like, I got a half a dozen things that I want to change in this bill and you're sitting before these committees and they, they kind of think, is this guy even, you know, he may be nuts or, you know, what's his deal. And, and then you start having meetings with senators and representatives and directors of this and lawyers of that and all these kinds of things are going to, you, you have to pick some things that you're willing to let go of. And yep. you have to, you have to pick some things that are very important. So my half a dozen to a dozen things I wanted to change. I finally, at the end of the day, reduced them down to basically two or three things. And my deal was, on the training part of it, you know, I was really wanted some clarification on the training. Uh, so it was accessible, affordable, reasonable, physically, mentally, et cetera. And that, you know, 
it, it, that would be something that anybody with any level of understanding could come and take those classes and be able to do this. Uh, not just a person that's a professional in that field. Um, so, uh, the training thing, you know, what, what we wanted, what Arkansas game of fish wanted was to use basically the same thing they've been doing with their learn to burn one, learn to burn two. And then if they need to include a three, then that's fine. And so far that kind of basically without getting into crazy detail, that, that really looks about like where we're headed. Now, forestry will also offer stuff, but most likely their classes will be much more difficult. Um, like the class we did a few months ago, our learn to burn two class, we had um, a young girl who's in FFA. She's probably 14 years old. You know, we had older guys in the class. We had ladies in our class. Uh, we had a really diverse mixture of people with various backgrounds, various physical abilities, various, all this stuff. And it was not too difficult that anybody there, nobody, nobody there had any issues. Um, that's kind of what we wanted to be able to do, uh, to, you know, to, to continue that model that game and fish already had established before these knuckleheads even thought about it. So the, uh, the next thing was there's a clause in there about only being able to burn a hundred acres and there's no clarification in the bill, whether that's a hundred acres in your lifetime, a hundred acres an hour, a hundred acres a day, a hundred acres a week, a hundred acres per burn unit. And every politician you talk to has a different opinion. And so that's where the rules build out. will actually clarify that. I have not seen anything on clarifying that hundred acre clause at this point, but I'm hopeful that it will come. The only thing that I've seen thus far is, pertaining to training and training is a huge aspect of this bill now here's the positives okay so those are the obstacles the hurdles the difficulties that we've had the positives to this is it's going to make prescribed fire in the state of arkansas more uh protected for a landowner or burn boss, they they phrase it as a qualified burner. It's a burn boss, whatever. They can't get their language right, but whatever. And um, where that person would be able to get insurance, hopefully affordable insurance or corporation or business, whatever. And then it will also um, reduce their personal liability as long as you are not grossly negligent. So the threshold for negligence is where we are at in this bill. So somebody would have to prove that you were either gross, grossly negligent or, or negligent. Um, so that's, that's a, you know, pretty good standard. They wanted to take it all the way to a gross negligent standard and the politicians pushed back on that because that basically means we could start a fire out of the window of the truck and drive off and go to town and eat at Wendy's and leave it burning. And if it burn up half the County, tough luck. So the negligence standard says, as long as you do your due diligence and you check all these boxes and you're not doing something, you know, that would rise to the level of negligence, you shouldn't be held liable if something bad happened. And, um, uh, as far as the fire escaping the burn unit and then causing damage elsewhere. Um, some of the political big timber companies like Warehouser, Warehouser, say that real clear, uh, you know, pushed a lot of this and they pushed it under the guise. I mean, I personally think they lie, but maybe they don't. And if, if not, like I told the guy to his face, I, I don't necessarily believe you. But if you do what you say you're going to do, you will change the habitat in this state and you will lead the way in in the industry to really do some positive things. So 
they are going to use prescribed fire in site prep and things like that, which makes perfect sense. And I'm all for them doing it. I support them 110%. I'm behind them. But they also went a step further and said they're going to do it in pine stands that are already growing. And I'm like, let's throw the flag on that because we all know that's bull. But they say they're going to. And if they do, I, man, I'm going to just have to eat crow and buy them lunch or I don't know what I'm going to have to do. But if they actually do that, they will greatly change the industry standard and industry practices that happen in forestry management right now. And I will applaud them and sing their praises. Might even get a flag with their company logo and put it out here in front of the house on a flagpole or something. But anyhow, all that aside, at the end of the day, I am not against them. And I want them to be able to use fire however they want. I, I think they're a private business. They own that land. As long as they're doing stuff safe and not burning down the county, I don't care if they burn everything they got to the ground. That's their business. It's their stuff. I just don't want you telling me what I can do on my farm and my property when not only am I responsible, but I've been well-trained and I have well-established fire lanes and I've got a good group of guys that come and help me. And I, man, what in the world, you know? So that's where I get in a, in an issue with them. But, um, as far as they, as far as they're concerned, I want them to succeed. I want them to use prescribed fire. And I actually, and I've invited them on the podcast, but I actually have a old family friend that owns one of the largest, I say this, I don't know if this is a hundred percent accurate, but I'll say it anyway. The largest, one of the larger, we'll say it like this, larger privately owned uh, timber companies, forestry companies uh, in operation in, in the state. And they're down south in Grant County primarily and uh, in the Sheridan area. And they cover several counties. They recently hired a guy. Now, these guys are, these guys are growing pine plantations and and they're logging. I mean, I see clips today. They got log trucks loaded, headed out. And, uh, you know, they have built a extremely good business over the years, buying ground, cutting timber, and replanting it and doing it again. They hired a guy a few months ago, a year ago, in their company that his sole job is fire. His primary title is he's the fire guy. I mean, that's, that's what he does. And they are burning in pine stands right now. It's happening. They're, they're putting fire on the ground in thin, thinned pine plantations. And they are looking at the science that says it not only helps the wildlife and the habitat, but it helps us grow trees. And so, uh, I was really excited about that. And they actually helped me behind the scenes on this deal more than anybody did. Once I made that phone call and said, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm drowning over here. I need help. Everything changed from that phone call forward. Cause they, they have a lot of influence and contacts with all of those people. So that's when people started you know, and of course I had rattled so many politicians cages that, you know, people, people at that point, public, I was getting a little attention and, and they was, <laughs> they was going to have to pay attention. So, uh, but, but they, that, that particular company was a big help and they, they don't know how much I appreciate them, but I, I do. Uh, and everything I was telling them, you know, they were amen and man, they were like the amen corner on you know why we need to use fire and and you know the 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 issues with the burn bill the 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 real problem with all of this and politics in general is the average joe who all of this y'all just excuse my language all this crap's affecting is too busy out here working and trying to keep his kids fed and clothed and a roof over everybody's head and his bills paid to go down there and monkey with all them guys and 
you know, that, that's what's happening. And we, we elect these people, send them down there and think, Hey, they're going to represent us to the best of their ability. And then they get down there in a system where they're getting paid a lot of money, uh, to be in legislative session, to get per diem, to do all this stuff. And then you get egos. And then some company says, Hey, we want you to push this through. And if you push our thing through, we'll help you with your thing. And Oh, by the way, here's, here's $30,000 for your campaign. And then it turns into, I'm going to make a career out of being a politician. And our founding fathers didn't mean for it to be that way, but that's just my opinion. You read your own history book. They got all kinds now. So anyways, that's my rant. But uh, all of that ties together with our prescribed burn association, you know, game fish trying to get that up. Then, then of course we did DMAP meetings. Our DMAP program, we've hired a new DMAP coordinator, Gamefish did. Uh, I'm kind of excited about that. I think that's got good potential. They're wanting to expand and revamp and add biologists specifically to the DMAP program. Yeah, uh, I think that's going to be a good deal. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize what, you know, we've. I know we've had these uh, conversations about record keeping a couple of different times on here, but, you know, if you everybody needs to be keeping records and you know i enjoy the record keeping almost as much as i love habitat work or the actual hunt i mean i love being able to go back and compare doe weights to previous years compare uh fawn to doe sightings to recent re uh you know previous years um compare inches of antler on different age class of bucks to previous years. It's, it's just so cool. And then to be able to see, you know, what, uh, pull the jawbone out and, and be able to age that deer that you shot. And then, you know, there's a formula that we can kind of see what that deer would have picked out at, you know, um, it's just, that's a great tool to measure, the success from your habitat work. You know, it's, my, it's, my dad came to that DMAP meeting. He's never been to one before. And the one we had wasn't the best one we've ever done, but for a lot of reasons, and I'm not picking on anybody individually. I mean, we just had a lot of new material needing to be covered with license and tagging and apps and all this stuff that's got rolled out in my opinion, last minute really, or, or close to last minute because hunting season's starting and here we got all this new stuff. So everybody's stressed and wanting to make sure we got that operating correctly and it's in the public's hands and, you know, everybody's getting what they need and so on and so forth. But my dad sat there for the first time in a DMAP meeting, he left and, and, uh, I, I called him after and said, well, what do you think? He said, I had no idea that all this stuff, he said, it makes perfect sense. Now I realize why you're messing with jaw bones and looking at weights and doing all this stuff. He, you know, he said, he said, I, I didn't really understand. And he didn't understand that that data was not only helping us here and showing us trends here, but it was helping our deer zone and our state in in the data that we provide to them to be able to put that into, you know, their management strategies to help manage. And he's like, you're really, by being in DMAP, you're really partnering with the game and fish to help influence their strategic deer management program. You know, I said, well, yeah, yeah. I guess if you want to look at it like that, that's you're right. And, uh, he, he was really excited about it. it. It got him excited. And I was like, well, you ought to hear when we're not talking about how to check a deer or if this uh, new D map tag thing's free or all this kind of stuff. I said, you ought to really hear when we start talking about habitat and deer and how to make them bigger and, you know, all that kind of stuff that'll really get you excited. So, you know, the presentation, you know, when, when they really talk about why we do D map is, is really a great presentation it's uh you know to to hear um what your habitat does for them and what type of habitat is working best and you know that's just uh that is phenomenal information and you know 
it's easy stuff to do. It's stuff that we're looking to do anyway. And, yep. you know, it's just, um, I, yeah, it's a phenomenal program. I don't know how many states actually have a DMAT program. There's several, but, several do. Well, I think so. But even if you don't and you're just managing your farm, you can do a lot of this record keeping and really get a grip on what's working and, and, and what doesn't. And, uh, Yep. You know, they printed out a report for us uh, that have been in DMAP for the last few years uh, showing, you know, and I've kind of slacked off a little bit. We've decreased the number of does that we're shooting here, and we haven't shot many bucks. And, you know, one of the things we're going to have to do at, at both of the properties that uh, I've got in the DMAP program is we've got to start shooting more bucks. I mean, we've, we've got to. We've... Uh, We've got some pretty good bucks out there. They're dying from old age. Um, we don't have, we're, we're just not killing them. And, uh, you know, for various reasons, you know, sometimes it's because we're, we're waiting to put a kid on it or we're saving that deer for somebody. And, you know, they don't keep, um, they may be here. You may see them on camera and have them patterned every day for a couple of weeks, but weather changes uh, river stage change, crops get cut in the fields around you, different things can happen and, or the rut takes place and, and he gets wind of a doe that leaves the country. Um, you may not see that deer again until next year. Um, so, you know, they don't keep, if you got a chance to shoot one, you need to shoot one. And, uh, and we're we're even going to back it off just a little bit. You know, we've got, of course, our DMAC program allows us to shoot, any buck we want, it's two and a half or older, but you know, we want to, that's a level one and a level two is three and a half or older, you know, a level three D map, you're shooting bucks that are five and a half or older. And we, uh, we want our bucks to be four and a half, but you know, I listened to land and legacy podcast the other day where Matt and Chad was talking about, you know, some of the bucks that they're shooting and that they're trying to hunt on their property. And, you know, a lot of people, me included, we want our bucks to be mature. We want them to be five and a half plus. But there's a lot of times that that three and a half year old buck, you can get a pretty good ideal if he's going to be a stud or not. Um, you know, I mentioned on here that we had 181 inch three and a half year old buck killed um, a couple years ago. But, um, you know, that's an outlier. That's an exception. But it can also go the opposite way. And, you know, you can get a buck that has no brow tines, forks on each side, and him be three-and-a-half-year-old. I've got one. I've got a rack in here right now that I found of a buck I found dead that I had named Shoestring. And he died of old age here on, on the property. He was – I don't know how old he was. His teeth were just about wore down to nothing. And – he had uh, no brow tines. He had uh, uh, a fork on one side and three little points on the other. And his rack, his entire life, he was a four-pointer most of his life and with no brow tines. And his rack never got any bigger around than maybe my thumb at the biggest point. And I've been watching that deer since he was two and a half year old. We should have shot him. I mean – why keep feeding a deer like that? I mean, and I could have killed him as a three and a half year old. And I don't know why I didn't. I had that mentality. Well, I'm waiting for a, a mature buck. I want to shoot a four and a half or five and a half year old buck. But, you know, the truth is a lot of three and a half and four and a half and five and a half year old bucks, even at maturity, never score more than like 115 inches. So, those bucks need shot too, not just the one you're going to put on the wall. Yeah. Well, uh, most people probably know this, but Game of Fish has launched a new app uh, for Arkansas. And I, this, this podcast may be largely Arkansas specific, but I apologize for that. But the, the new app is for the entire AGFC. And in order to get that app, you need to delete your old app, which is not going to provide good info. They're not supporting it anymore. You need to delete it off your phone, then go into wherever you get your your uh, apps at, iTunes or whatever, and download the new AGFC app. 
and uh you can you can do a lot of stuff through that app um you know it, it looks like it's headed in a good direction um then the other thing is uh if you're on social media game fish has got several different pages agfc has got one there's a private lands one um also they they have a dmap one that is just for people that are in dmap so in order to get in that group it's a private group you got to provide them with some information so they can verify who you are and that you're actually in dmap that's for dmap people only they also talked uh, about in the future trying to not only add more dmap biologists but also an app just for dmap that will help us in data collection that that might be pretty cool and also provide some other stuff um you know just kind of general direction they want to see you know the dmap stuff go in in their new private lands division so you know there's a lot of exciting things i mean i, I you know i look at this in a couple different ways i, I got friends I, I talk to every day uh, somebody's calling saying you know something I, I got a phone call today talked to a buddy of mine and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, why are they doing this and what's going on here? And, you know, they can't get this straight. And I, and I, and I kind of joke that, you know, we, we could critique game and fish for a lot of different things and talk about, uh, where they've fallen short. Uh, there ain't no, you know, ain't no doubt about it, but, and right now we could say is, you know, it's a pivotal point or it's a, you know, whatever we could make this dramatize it like the news does. But in all honesty, we're living in a really good time for the state, uh, you know, new directors, some new divisions, some progression going forward, uh, expansion in private lands, which is, is going to help things, um, uh, you know, just, uh, funding with acres for wildlife changing and doing a few things different, uh, hopefully a tax credit coming for habitat improvements, uh, maybe next year. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of good things that, that have potential to do well in our state. If, if, you know, if everybody does their part now, you know, you got people and you got organizations, politics and all this other, and there's always going to be some shortfalls, but you know, we, we've got potential right now to change things and, and, uh, and to make a good positive impact. I, I, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an exciting time. Um, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's time. We need to step up the game a little bit. You know, we've got a, We've got a lot of areas that Arkansas has been lacking a little bit. Um, and, you know, we, we shouldn't have been there. So I'm glad to see some of these changes and things uh, turning around a little bit for deer, for turkeys, for ducks. Um, there's a whole lot going on in the state right now. And uh, Well, just, just, think about, just think about where we are in science and research. Oh, the definitely. Things we know in science and research that we didn't know five years ago. That's right. We didn't know 10 years ago. I mean, technology has made it to where we can track a hummingbird. I mean, I don't need a butterfly. I mean, just so many things now that, that we're, we're gaining so much ground in, in what we know. And yep. that helps us apply that knowledge, you know, into what we do. Just look at your tiger bee farm. The other day you shared a video, uh, 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 I want to say you shared it on Facebook and, uh, uh, anyways, Aaron, that's how I was trying to think Aaron's name. I lost it for a minute. My brain wasn't functioning, but Aaron took the video while he was doing some work over and you had a ton of quail running across the road. He said, he said there could have been 30 to 50 easy. That, that That's a lot. There was probably, probably anywhere from eight to 12 adult quail and just quail everywhere that was about the size of a golf ball. Yeah, that's that's uh, that is a huge success story. And so, you know what? Listen to this. There's never been a trap set on that farm. Yeah, got but, quail the size of golf balls that can't fly running around all over the ground, and there's never been a trap set. How in the world did those eggs hatch and those little bitty quail survive? And all of these predators. And we've never set a trap. 
Well, I'm, I got my hand raised in the back of the class and I'm like, cause there's been a lot of habitat work done. And, and here's the cool deal. You know, you think about the shift in our state and it's not just our state. It, it's, it's all over, you know, woody encroachment, cedars, sweet gums, all these different things growing in places they shouldn't be in quantities. They shouldn't be displacing native habitats that, that basically, I mean, just it's decimated a lot of different species. Some will never get back everything from a butterfly to a songbird, to quail, to turkey, to whatever. And then you look at all these success stories that, that Arkansas game of fish. I, I mean, let's, let's be honest. We would not have white-tailed deer, bear, elk, if you care. A lot of people hate them. Um, uh, a lot of the things that game and fish did reintroducing, you know, some large, it, the, the black bear alone was like the largest, uh, uh, success story of the reintroduction of a large mammal, like it, like ever, um, the reintroduction of whitetail, you know, turkeys, I mean, things really were shooting up and then we hit this peak. Then there's an argument over why we hit the peak. And, and everybody's been in this crisis mode ever since. And they're worried about bass and they're worried about bear with mange. And they're worried about, uh, uh, turkey decline, quail basically being gone, CWD and deer. I mean, you know, GTRs that are in stress and timbers dying everywhere. So, you know, everybody that's like this plane's nosediving, but there's a couple guys that have grabbed the controls and pulled back as hard as they can. And, they're not perfect and they're not doing everything probably the way you or I would do it, but they're trying. So I'm going to support them for right now. I get mad at them every once in a while and that's okay. Uh, well, I do too. And I'm happy that you and I are right in the, have front row seats to this whole deal. We're right in the middle of it, right involved in it. I mean, cause how many States out there can you shoot an elk and an alligator both? Right. Yeah, and everything in between. Everything. I, I can't think of another state that has elk and alligators. No, and I'll tell you another thing. Some of like you and I, and I don't want to go into all this, but you and I heard the other night a few ideas that some people have had, uh, and that it's some of them kind of crazy millennial type kind of ideas. I'm like. Where'd you get these ideas from your socialist kids or what? I mean, you know, I was like, I don't think I'm with you on that deal, but you know, what's cool is I can still stand there and get red face mad and tell them I don't like this. A lot of da da da. And at the end of the day, we can all walk out of there as friends and, and, uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe the conversation was, was beneficial enough to influence some change? Maybe not. But at the end of the day, if we just keep doing the same old thing we're doing, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're not helping. So at least we're, at least we're getting somewhere. Well, you've got to be open-minded on some of this. We've got so many people that are against everything that's change and, yep. you know, I always come back to cutting timber and, you know, I've, yep. I looked at, a, at a, another duck club here recently that is in the same exact shape that every green timber duck club in the state of Arkansas is in. It has no sunlight hitting the ground and it stays too wet. Yep. You know, every block of woods, it seems like that I ever go look at, there's not sunlight hitting the ground. Everything is closed canopy and there's species growing there that, have no purpose and no wildlife benefit and people protect them like they're sacred. Yep. We've, we've got to break that mentality and actually start putting some groceries out, doing some things that create groceries for these critters that we love to hunt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Game of fish has also got a new deal coming out at some point on, uh, the reintroduction of the whitetail in the state. I, that's kind of neat. That's going to be cool. Yep. Um, there's a lot going on, you know, and like you mentioned my tiger bee farm while ago, five years ago, when I started that project, the neighbors said, you know, we haven't heard a quail up here in a long time now. Yep. And now 
in the last week, we've had a dozen conversations about getting quail dogs. That's right. That's right. I mean, think about that. And everybody's, oh, it takes a long time. It does take a long time to turn things around. But you can see some big improvements in a short amount of time. Well, we basically went from nothing, zero quail on the property, to five, six, seven coveys right now that have anywhere from a half a dozen to 30, 40, 50 birds in them. So that's pretty dang huge considering we haven't even started our hacking squirt project yet. We're still battling fescue in a lot of places. And we've got areas that's needed a growing season fire for three and four years in a row now that haven't got it. So, um, yeah, this burn band, this burn band ain't helping me out none. No, it's been tough. Um, we've got some stuff that would just now burn pretty good, but we're in a burn band. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A week before the burn band, you did a test fire trying to light some stuff. Could not get it to burn because it's too wet. A week later, somehow, I still don't quite understand, we go under a burn band. The day before or the day of my new disc getting delivered, I go under a burn band like that figures. Yep. And, uh, and, and you know, and I do see some trees that are stressed, man. There's trees that are just, leaves are straight, just turning brown right now. They're really well, over, stressed. Overall, we're dry. I mean, but, yeah. you know, like Tiger Bee Farm, you know, it's dry, but it's been getting a tenth or two tenths rain every week. And it's just enough to keep stuff from burning, green enough that it won't burn. But if you had a fire, somebody had a big fire get out and things got hot. Oh, yeah. It it creates its own climate as it burns. And, you know, it, it could be, I guess, could be potentially a fire hazard. But yeah, yeah. It, it's probably not not the wisest to let anybody and everybody go do it, but I wish they'd let me. But yeah, uh, with good fire lines and and uh, they knew the area we was in and what we were up against. You know, I think they'd say, "Oh yeah, okay, well why don't y'all go ahead?" But yeah, you know, I don't think anybody's gonna come write you a ticket. But boy, if it got out and you was burning during a burn ban, the fire got out and damaged something. Yeah, the ticket. I think you had a pretty good pickle. Yeah, yeah, that's the right. be at least your worries. You, you'd be in a mess, but uh, man, it believe it or not, it's almost fair season now. I heard them talking about the fairs coming here in a few weeks, the coal carnival. Yeah, yeah. that's what we used to always call it. That's where every coal in the county shows up to eat corn dogs and and uh, uh visit with the man running the tilt a whirl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah it's coming man fair season's here white county fair is always big fair and uh the one thing i can say is usually the week of or the week after usually the week of the fair we always get a rain and we get a little cool down so uh, i need both of those well i do too i've got a like i say got a lot going on man it's, it's that time of year that you know it'll be here it seems like time just flies by I, anymore. And I need to make a list right now for what seed I need for food plots so I can go ahead and start getting all that ready. Well, you know, so that's one thing that we got a little shire the other day, but Stratton, evidently, we, we need a little better connection at Stratton. You know, I hate it that we're there just an hour away and we don't have that good in with somebody down there, but um, uh, I've tried to order Legacy Blend three different times this year and they keep giving me a date. It's not available till a certain date. Well, now they're telling me Friday. So day after, uh, tomorrow, um, that we're doing this podcast, this we'll see this podcast air Thursday. Yeah. Podcast air Thursday. So the day after it should be available. I'm hoping I can get my hands on some. I'm gonna, that's what I'm planting in some of my kill plots here this year. Uh, but I've, uh, I've already got a pallet of wheat sitting in there. And I've seeded some levees on some dirt work we've done, but I haven't planted a single food plot in the field because it's just it's going to grow just as well in the bag as it is that powder dry dirt. Hey, uh, something else I want to tell folks about 
uh, there's an app that I have been, I have been using for, man, I don't know, at least three years, maybe, maybe five. And it's been very beneficial for me. It's called Expensify. And it's a free app, totally free. Uh, and, and what I do with it is I track all my receipts and my mileage. And you can put all that info in there, take a photograph of the receipt, goes in the app. Um, and you can put it in different categories like equipment and maintenance or, uh, whatever. And, um, and then at the end of the year, I print a report for the entire year. That's got all my receipts, my expenses and my mileage. And I'm telling you that is like been the best app, especially for a free one that I've ever used. I, I print all that stuff off at the end of the year and take it to my tax guy. So if you have trouble keeping up with receipts or if you're like me, when you first got married, uh, I had a trash bag and a Walmart sack and, you know, full of receipts stuffed in the closet in a box uh, from old receipts that I was trying to keep up with for tax purposes. Well, if you do any of that stuff and you track mileage and you do all that, that, that kind of thing, that, that just, man, it takes the pressure off. Cause you can walk out of Lowe's, sit in the seat of your truck and in 30 seconds to a minute and a half, you can take a photograph of the receipt, log it, put a description, the purchase date, the ma everything right there, and then boom, it's saved. You can pull it up on your computer. You can pull it up on your phone. And uh, and like I said, man, my, my tax guy has been pretty happy with me because, you know, it makes it easy on him. I don't show up with a shoebox full of receipts anymore. Right. Everything's neat and organized, printed off, categorized, all that stuff. I mean, it, it's a cool deal. And a buddy of mine turned me on to that because he couldn't for, he was working for a guy and could not for the life of him keep up with the receipts he's supposed to turn in. So they said, Hey, get this app and a lot of da da da. And he did. And, uh, and it changed his whole workflow. So, you know, when I was trying to do this for myself, but I mean, you could do this for a company. You could do it for yourself. You could do it for whatever you wanted to. And, uh, it's just a great way to keep that data. And then you don't have to do like me. And a lot of those receipts now they print them on the paper after they either are in my wallet or in the truck or lay, laying on a dresser. If I, if I don't lose them or whatever, they fade. It's almost like they got disappearing ink on them. Oh, sweat, man. A little bit of sweat, dampness in that pocket, and boy, it's, you can't read them. Yeah, so I do away with all that, man. Once I take a picture of them on my phone, them suckers are gone. Sweet. I'm going to try so, that. Expensify. It's a really, really good app. I highly recommend it. And, uh, you know, even, even if you're not turning in an expense report or – you know, maybe you're just doing this for yourself, your your own, like like Dana's business. What's the name of her business? Uh, Locked Wings Wildlife Services. Okay. I mean, Locked, Locked Wings, Locked Wings Country Store. That's what it is. Locked yeah. Wings Country Store. So, if you need a sign made, a lanyard uh, for your duck calls, a kill switch for your outboard motor. Uh, you want to do stocking stuffers and put one in every one of your kids' stock, whatever the case may be. Miss Dana will be out there in the, in her she shed, and uh, and she'll be making all that stuff. Well, she's got expenses for sign materials and paracord, and first one thing, then another, and shipping, and and mileage back and forth to town to ship, and whatever else. You can put that all in that app. At the end of the year, you can run a report for the year or from whatever date to whatever date. If you do a, you know, a different year than January one to December 31, you can do it fiscal. You can do however you want print that report out. You got it all. Um, but if you were just an employee and you were like, Hey, I want to, I want to log some stuff here and, and, you know, be able to track some things that, you know, might be helpful to my boss or, you know, I might be able to show him that, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a value, you know, you can use that to your good too. And, and, uh, might be impressive at the end of the year to show up and say, Hey, I just wanted to give you this report. You may not care. You may just want to throw it in the trash, but the front page is like a summary. And then it goes into detail itemized deal with all the photographs of the receipts behind all that. I mean, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it is, uh, is by far the, the app that has helped me the most financially, I would say. Cool so, stuff. Yeah, if you're tracking stuff for your farm, your business, you got a lawn mowing business, whatever, you need to be using that Expensify app. Cool stuff. Well, yeah. we better wrap it up here. We've rambled on for about an hour, and folks, I apologize that this was mainly Arkansas-oriented, but we've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of exciting stuff, and we wanted to talk about it a little bit. And uh, well, We I try not to do that, but golly, we've been in so many meetings over it. It it is, and we've got several Arkansas listeners, so I'm I'm you know, uh, I'm glad we're able we have a platform we can share some of this. So, um, but uh, thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week. <laughs>